Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another outstanding edition of Ghost Chronicles International, where we reach people all over this freaking planet. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsink, with me from the land of the Red Dragon, the most mysterious Steve Parsons. Yeah, the show that could be described as like Demestos, we killed 99% of all known germs dead. There you go. So, here we are. Another yeah. week. Here we are, another week. And how's the toothache? Uh, I chose to ignore it. Still a pain in the ass, then? No, it's actually in my mouth. Ah, it's toilet humor. <laughs> So how was, uh, so yesterday, um, as we both know, but probably many of our listeners don't care, was National No Panties Day. Exactly. And National Onion Ring Day and Preparation H Day, as I remember from the show yesterday with Luke. Uh, uh, But the most important thing. Yeah. uh, Stupid man thing day. Well, there you go. There you go. So, I have no clue. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, you know how EVP is so topical at the moment, and we've had quite a few guests. In fact, every week we have a guest saying how marvelous their EVPs are. That they wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, if you're going to talk that, about EVPs, that... what the hell is an EVP? Oh, stop it! Seriously, you didn't say that to guest last week. You just blurted out the word EVP and just carried on regardless, telling us about their fantastic EVPs. Everybody right. knows what an EVP is. It's a small furry animal that lives just in the forest of New England. No, do, do we really know what an EVP is? Well, we're not going to define it because we're going to have an expert on tonight to put the record straight. So put down your broken radios, pick your digital recorders back into their boxes, and we're going to have a parapsychologist who actually does know something about electronic voice phenomena because it's the research basis for her PhD, which is a doctorate. PhD. 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 And right. it's a guest that we've had before. So let's get some. Let's get the lowdown on electronic voice phenomena tonight. Finally, let's put the record straight. Good evening, Anne. Good evening. I'm hoping you can hear me now. Perfectly yeah. well. Excellent. I did a bit of fiddling. I've realised I've got far too many computers on my desk and they're all binging and bonging and interfering with each other. So uh-huh. I've turned half of them off. <laughs> Unless uh, it was the spirits coming through, of course. I, I just thought it was EVP, that's all. No, yes. Well, first Whatever of all, we've got is. to de- define what an EVP is. Nobody knows. Ah. Well, Anne's well, about it's... to tell us. <laughs> to shut like up and define... listen for a change. It's a bit like defining a ghost, isn't it? People can say, I've seen a ghost, I've heard an EVP, but when you try and get down to say exactly what's causing it and how it works, we really haven't got a clue. But there is one amazing Um, standard about EVPs. They're all amazing. (laughs) Ours are amazing. Everybody else is bunk. (laughs) 
an amazing class one marvellous interactive <laughs> communications. Okay. Not necessarily requiring white noise or similar to him. No, no, no. That, that was a voice saying, help, 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 get me out of here. Oh, I thought it was saying number 23 in fried rice. Sorry, my mistake. I heard the same thing, Ian. <laughs> I think Parson pa needs his ears cleaned. <laughs> so what is an electronic voice phenomena, Anne? Well, it's... Um, it's a way of apparently communicating with the spirit world, is what we're told. Um, I'm not going to go into the history of it, because even the history of it is much debated. But it has been going on for quite some time when people accidentally picked up voices of apparent spirits on tape recordings. Um, it's not confined to tape recordings. Um, you can get them on all kinds of electronic um, devices. Mm -hmm. I'm particularly looking at tape recordings because that tends to be what a lot of investigators use, hence the reason why I'm interested in it. Uh, there's lots of different methods for achieving it. One that I'm particularly interested in at the moment is ghost boxes, because I know quite a lot of serious EVP researchers who do it in laboratories in shielded conditions and try and replicate it under scientific conditions, and even they are very, very sceptical of ghost boxes. Um, because there's no real way of falsifying it. All you're doing is picking up fragments of uh, radio stations and anything that happens to be on the radio waves. And because of the way the human brain works, we are programmed to look for patterns in things, and one of the strongest patterns that we hear is speech, human speech. The same as when we're looking at things, we tend to see faces, recognisable shapes and objects. When it's sound, we tend to turn it into speech, whether it's there or not. So I've had many an argument with people who use ghost boxes who say, but the spirits are manipulating it. Now, of course, I can't prove they're not. However, I can look at creating sound files that aren't EVPs and seeing if I can make people think that they are voices speaking which is what I'm trying to do at the moment. Okay. Oh, I bored you all to death now. That's no, stunned no. silence. My heart, <laughs> my heart sank when you threw him a lifeline because I know what Ron's about to say because I'm psychic. Oh, and I, just a little plug. Of course, we don't need to go into the history of electronic voice phenomena because there's an excellent chapter that deals exactly with the history of uh, electronic voice phenomena in... The book, Paracoustics, to which Anne has contributed a chapter entitled The Psychology of Electronic Voice Phenomena. It's the get out that you just threw Ron, the, the line about, of course, I can't prove it's not the dead. Well, I can see where this is going. I can see exactly <laughs> where it's going, but I cannot say to him, 100%, it is not something that you can't explain to me how it works. You now, just, obviously, just beating with it, just beating being, with the truth. Being scientific, we can say, well, the onus is on you to prove that it is the dead. The onus isn't on us to prove that it isn't. However, I get so fed up with people saying, well, of course, it is the dead. When, again, I'm, there might well be genuine cases of something really strange happening, but I have to say the vast majority of EVPs I've listened to do not in any way resemble the words, the speech, the responses that people say they are. 
Is it true, Anne, that there have been electronic uh, voice phenomena that have used radios in the past, uh, in, in particular like the Wigmore Hall, where these voices have spontaneously broken through? Oh, yes, there's definitely been spontaneous uh, cases of voices coming through, and there's actually been very, very clear ones as well. Um, and there are people, as I mentioned before, carrying out serious scientific study into it, and they are using shielded rooms and they're using proper sound engineers, and they're still getting something coming through. Um, I wouldn't like to go as far as to say, well, it must be the dead because we can't explain it, because that's obviously a stupid statement to make but there is something going on that is worth looking at well there are many skeptical researchers um uh, you know in america and here in the uk uh, i can think of one armchair warrior uh, keyboard warrior who only this week made a very bold sta- uh, bold statement um on, on a blog that all evp was rubbish because there is no such thing as paranormal voices via electronic means Well, do you know, that's the reason why I started doing my PhD. Not because I was getting particularly upset with the people getting EVPs, you may be surprised to know, but because I was getting so fed up with the sceptics, just saying, it's all rubbish, don't believe a word of it, you're all mad. And I thought, well, how can you possibly say that as scientists without looking at the phenomena to find out what's going on? So it was actually the sceptics who made me want to investigate it rather than the EVPs. Now, Ron's very sceptical, aren't you, Ron, about electronic voices? Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. See, what are we? Eight minutes into the show and it's already headed downhill. <laughs> I have that I've only said one word. How could it blame me for this one? It was. You don't have to say a word. That was a f- uh, a, a, a word gesture, sound gesture. I, I don't know. Um, you use EVP devices, Ron. I mean, when we were over, oh, I there. use everything. I use a stupid yeah. uh, Ghost Beater Pro, which is most ridiculous. So, so why do you use around. them then? If they are bits of crap and they are stupid, you, your words—they're stupid bits of crap. Why do you use them then? To understand them. Yeah, but you keep using them. Once you've understood that they don't work and they're stupid bits of crap, why don't you just take I'm them down? I'm hoping so, that they take will. Take down to the thrift store. some mystical potion that's in this thing that eventually takes off and shows me the light, but they never Isn't do. that just the triumph of hope over adversity? Yes, that, that's the keep trying it, keep trying it, and eventually, hooray, I've got success because you've just oh, kept plugging away at it. It's, it's well, rubbish, it's rubbish, but I won't throw it away just in case the dead... I spent $30 for it. I'm not going to throw it away. What are you out of your mind? Thrift store. Mom and pop thrift store. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways... Yard uh, sale. So, Anne, I mean, you have been really headlong into this research for a little while now, right? Yes. So how long? I've, um, I've been doing it part-time for three years now. Um, I've just pretty much finished writing up, although I've amended some bits of it and some bits still to amend, about looking at uh, individual differences in people who believe in EVP and use EVP and people who don't believe or use an EVP. Now, if anyone's going to the SPR and Parapsychological Association conference next month, you will hear me present these first results. Oh, cool. Um, I have, well, I I have got a little preview of them. Um, 
basically I was looking at all the individual differences like uh, religious beliefs, uh, paranormal beliefs, uh, things like after-deaths belief, beliefs, death anxieties, whether people who experience EVP are more fantasy-prone, whether they're more prone to hallucinations, that kind of thing. So I've, I've got quite a chunk of results and I've got a huge amount of data that I could probably pull an awful lot more out of. Um, a lot of it goes the way you think it probably would. Um, the main difficulty I had at the start was trying to define who was an EVPer and who wasn't an EVPer because it's it's one of those questions that sounds really easy until you come to actually analyse it because we can't actually define EVP and it's very hard to define an EVP or someone who experiences EVP. So I actually created a questionnaire and from that we've pulled out some questions and used those to define non-believers, people who are low EVPs, so they believe in it but they don't really use it that much, and people who are high EVPs who use it all the time, who get a lot of results and have a lot of experiences. Um, you won't be surprised to know that... Um, High EVPers have higher belief in psi and spiritualism and precognition and all those sorts of things than people who don't believe in EVP. They have more paranormal experiences. They have more paranormal abilities and more paranormal beliefs. Now, fear of the paranormal was an interesting one for me because people who don't believe it have no fear of the paranormal, obviously, because they don't believe in it. Um, but the people with the highest fear of the paranormal with the low EVPs. So it looks like people who've got a bit of belief and a couple of experiences are actually quite frightened of the paranormal. And it's only when you start to have a lot of experiences that you start to come to terms with this and you're not quite as frightened of it. Um, I mean, you you have people that have studied EVP for, I mean, you've been doing this for three years for, you know, 15, 20 years, some of them. And Mm. How how do you and, and and of course they are EVPs if they've been doing it that long. There's no doubt about it. Is it more difficult to deal with uh, those type of people than uh, someone who has just begun doing EVP? Not at all. In fact, some people have been exceptionally helpful with helping me with the original questionnaire. And of course, the data I can get from those people is about the actual experiences there's quite a big section in the questionnaire just for people who do have these experiences so we can try and tease out how long is a typical evp are they pleasant generally are they unpleasant generally do they have messages for people so i've actually got an awful lot of information from those people and they've been very helpful to me it's also uh, worth just pointing out that whilst Anne has been studying EVP uh, for her PhD for the past three years, as a co-founder of Paris Science, we've been investigating and studying cases of electronic voice phenomena um, at locations around the UK for the last 22 years. Indeed we have. This, this isn't something that I've just suddenly jumped on. It's something that we've looked at for a very long time. But as I said, I got so angry with the sceptics just dismissing everything without even looking at it that I thought, well, it's about time someone did look at it. Well, I, you know, I love yeah, your attitude. Fact. 
Wait a minute. I love your attitude because that's that's my mantra. Uh, people dismiss everything, especially Steve Parson, so quickly uh, that no one really gives it a chance. And <sighs> I, I know that uh, parascience has captured some great audio phenomena, or EVP. So did that taint your uh, your purpose at all? I don't think so because um, I'm mainly. Um, as well as looking at all the experiences, I'm trying to show there's a lot of these like ghost box type experiences where people are throwing stuff on YouTube and saying the ghost said, hello, my name's Fred, when it obviously hasn't. It doesn't sound anything like it. I'm trying to look at why people believe that they are getting messages and what makes us turn random noise into these messages. So, yeah. Okay. Steve? Yes? Kind of drinking his tea, that's what it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I was trying yeah, but, No. So, um, it, it, I, I was going to... Yes, should we just all stop interrupting each other? Right, Ron, I, you go okay. first. Go ahead. Thank you. I was just going to say, you, you touched on the subject of some of the EVPs that we have captured over the years. What is interesting is, um, with the ones that we have captured, is, first of all, their extreme rarity. Now, we're talking about events where we've been at locations with more than a dozen audio, high-quality audio recorders scattered around the building. Uh, where, an, where a, an, a non-audible event took place that was recorded... Um, and they are incredibly rare. I mean, I can count on literally on the fingers of one hand what we would class as a true electronic phenomena, um, sound phenomena, in that we were not aware of it at the time, and it was present on, on more than one recording um, in, in most cases. We have never been in the situation where we go out on a Saturday night and repeat get EVP interactions. It just doesn't happen like that in, in the world that we inhabit. Now, either parascience have been incredibly unlucky, and I'm sure Anne would, would say that, or hope that Anne would say that we're not incredibly unlucky, or the paranormal is incredibly rare. It's interesting because you do get people who go out every Saturday night and will get tons of EVPs according to them. Yeah, the Sunday morning rush to get your VPs on Facebook and YouTube and the other no, that, that's, social media that's, and to I tell everyone anywhere. It's, it's well known within the paranormal community. It's it's just you poo poo and stuff again. Uh, no, it's just there, there are serious researchers out there who, of who believe in what they're doing and and have good reputations and. You you th you lump them in with some uh, no, you know no 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 what all I said then is there is a distinct rush on a Sunday morning on social media from people who claim on a Saturday night only a few hours earlier to have a, to have got amazing EVPs. Moreover, there is also now with groups who are live streaming via social media, tweeting and, and Facebooking their way through an investigation. They're making their claims literally within minutes of, of obtaining the recording. Now, there's no clearly no analysis. There's clearly no attempt to explain or to consider all of the possibilities. It's just a straight race to get evidence of it on social media before you, the other groups do. That's all I said. Hmm. Doesn't come well, up. Shall I throw a cat amongst the pigeons? Then? Oh, please do. 
Um, I found that the high EVPers show reality testing deficits. They're more fantasy prone. They have more hallucinations, both sleep related and auditory hallucinations, than low or non EVPers. There you go. You see, EVPers are mad. Well, I was sort. I was. Even though I'm supposed to be unbiased, I was sort of hoping that it would show they weren't, but there you go. There's one that you'll like, though, Steve. Narcissistic personality, the sense of entitlement that people feel they're entitled to things. The non-EVPers, e.g. the sceptics, scored far higher in that than anyone else. <laughs> well, there's no surprise. Interesting. <laughs> The word elite comes but to me. Mind. Yeah. But electronic voice phenomena is a serious subject for research, and it's a subject that's been researched for like, approaching half a century in, a, in, a, in, in the labs that and briefly mentioned before. It's even had people approval, the research. What we're talking about being different is this idea of buying a cheap broken radio or a cheap digital recorder and aimlessly wandering around haunted locations going, how many of us are there here? Can you say my name? Can you count backwards from ten? Why are you humming a Beatles track at me? Hmm. That's what we're saying. It's a a complete separation of serious research that's been ongoing with interesting results for half a century and this modern desire of McDonald's instant gratification ghost hunting culture. It's well, the next I... gadget. We had EMF meters, didn't we? What, what, ten years ago? Everybody had to... The dirigeur piece of equipment was the EMF meter. That didn't work. That didn't find any ghosts. And now they're all chatting to them on broken radios. Well, I did say a while ago that it seems to be the replacement for people who can't quite um, come over as a medium... They haven't quite got the skills to do the medium bit, so they're talking to the spirits via a broken radio instead. So it's it's like the slightly higher-tech version of I'm a medium, I can talk to dead people, I will give you messages. Again, not that I'm dissing all mediums, I'm just saying that in this ghost hunting, going out into haunted houses, there's always been this group who seem to want to be the ones who can talk to the dead, and they've just moved from being mediums to using these radios. Kirsten has an interesting question from the chat room, um, which I think, uh, Anne, uh, I think that you, who is judging whether something, I presume auditory, is a hallucination? Uh, From my research, uh, only by actually creating the files myself. Uh, As I said at the beginning, I cannot listen to a clip and say, that's a load of rubbish. I just can't do that. The same as if someone comes to me and says, I've seen a ghost, I can't say to them, oh, that's rubbish. I I just can't do that. So the research I'm doing, I'm simply creating the files myself um, instead of using ones that could possibly be real, in inverted commas, EVP. How how do you know that that the spirits haven't impinged their voices onto your created EVPs? I think she already addressed that. She already addressed that earlier. You're just no, going into no. an loop of ridiculousness now. Aren't you? No, you actually addressed that earlier. No. Well, you, you said in the beginning that, of the show actually... that you cannot prove that they aren't. So, I mean, that's already been addressed. So yeah, it's... But, a, that, 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 but then that's if I can create in a, 
if I can sit in a lab with a sound engineer and create a file with no outside interference that I'm mm -hmm. going to use and you can say, ah, but there might be a ghost on it, well, pff, there might be a ghost on everything then, might, and then we might as well just give up and go home. But a lot of the stuff that I'm looking a lot of the stuff that I'm looking at, though, um, the ones that people have created on ghost boxes, even a cursory analysis of the sound files shows that the sounds that are present on that clip bear no resemblance to what people say they're saying. So if there is a ghost, they're being very misrepresented in what they're saying. What about when you do get, like, once again, Parascience got clear audio, what they believe is proof, of uh, voices that they can't explain. Are, are we saying that is just an illusion? Is it? What is it? No, you, you hit the nail right on the head with that comment. You said is clear proof of something that they can't explain, and that's it. It's proof of something that we can't currently explain. End of. Really? Yeah, we can't say it's a ghost. We can't say it's a spirit. Uh, oh, was, we, we can't even it, say ghost exists. Well, exactly, but we we can't. In the context of what took place, there was there was a suggestion from from the way it took it transpired of an interaction uh, because it seemed to respond to something that, that had taken place, uh, not to anything that we'd said or uh, or tried to to uh, uh, provoke. It, it seemed to be interactive, but that could be. Uh, as Anne said, that could be a desire on our part to read something into the situation, into the sound that that, that maybe was never there. We did, we did have the ability to analyse sound at a very high level, uh, but not to a professional level. And we, we were fairly certain that the sound we, are, we were hearing was actually a sound uh, representative of what we could hear. So, you know, we were making up words and things but you can't eliminate totally the possibility um, I mean we have we have a uh, book written, we have a book edited by uh, Paris psychologist Cal Cooper that it has a whole chapters and chapters of of messages from the other side according to this book I mean we just dismiss them all is, is that what we're saying well we didn't dismiss the uh, recordings that we got uh, of course not, because you got them. Other, somebody else I, I, got them. They would have been right. I don't. I. I don't. I know. I know. In fact, if you, if you, for those of you who are listening on the playback, go back about ten minutes, and you'll hear both Anne and I saying that there's a serious EVP research that's being done, and we'll talk about that that sort of research and how they're conducting their research in EVP labs after the break. But they are doing that sort of research, and it's very, very challenging research. The results have been published in in a number of journals and have posed questions that, that science cannot yet answer. What we're talking about is a completely different type of uh, experience that's lumped under the same electronic voice phenomena headline. Well, I know we have, to take the, we have to take the break right now, but uh, when we come back, you can answer the question is, is that so field work is absolutely useless according to you two. So anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet, Pararex, Planet Paranormal, Radio Crackle, and maybe the Ghost Box. I don't know. Could happen. We'll be right back. Right back after the following messages.
Monday mornings just got scarier. Tune in every Monday at 11 a.m. for another episode of Ghost Chronicles Morning Edition with New England's own Van Helsing, Ron Kolick, and his inquisitive travel companion, Lou Blassie, the professor. Hey, that's me. Each week we'll delve into the realm of the supernatural where all that is is not what it appears to be. With remarkable guests, spirited conversation, and the occasional voice of the deceased, we'll bring you a whole new meaning to the term dead air. Ghost Chronicles, Mondays at 11 on Eagle Radio 1110. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more, located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more, all in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk gooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange, deranged, unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew, it's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Parrax family. Greetings and felicitations. I am Ron Collette, New England's own Van Helsing. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the Blonde Bombshell. And we're here at the elegant Benford Hall, the Downton Abbey of Manus. And we would like to extend a formal invitation to you. To tune in every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. On Tokenet, Parrot Ghost Channel, and Planet Paranormal. You can even listen live on your smartphone with your TuneIn app. I'll catch the podcast on iTunes. And now, time for tea. And if you can hear my voice, welcome back to part two of Ghost Chronicles and Jaffa. Can you say my name? If you can hear my voice, spirits, can you say my name? Can you tell me how many spirits are present with us tonight? Guess not. Anyway, part two of Ghost Chronicles International with uh, tonight's subject, EVP. And before the break, we were getting a bit of a hammering. Because somebody seemed to think that I'd said, we'd said that all failed studies for electronic voice phenomena were a waste of time. But that's not what we said at all, because all the, a lot of original EVP discoveries were made in field. But they weren't made by walking around a building going, is there anybody there? 
Is there anybody there? <laughs> well, my, as you said to me the other day, I'd been out um, recording birds and you said, oh, any voices on it? Because, of course, Jürgensen was out recording birds in a meadow outside his house and when he got back and listened to the tapes, there was voices on the tapes. Now, sadly, all I got was the blackbird and one of the local scallies, but, you know, I'll keep trying, keep trying. <laughs> you know what's Modern interesting... I'm sorry, Steve. The only, you know what's the interesting right, thing... Excuse me, go ahead. Just talk. Okay. I was going to say, but... Uh, I forget, I've lost my track. <laughs> no, you see, we're going to have to have, a, have, to have dead air now because I've lost my place. Can the spirits please send Steve a clue what he was about to talk about? I was going to actually ask about the, the way that EVP research is developed into the laboratories away from the field um, and the sort of results that they have been exp- uh, get, getting. Well, funny enough, I've just been looking through one of the sceptic sites um, about Annabella Cardozo's studies. Um, she is at least attempting to do something in a scientific fashion and has been apparently getting results. But the sceptics basically say it's rubbish. There's been no mechanism proposed for how spirits could possibly do this. Therefore, it's rubbish. And look who she is anyway. She's got woo beliefs. Therefore, it's all rubbish, which, again, is what annoys me intensely. You can't possibly say that without getting involved, looking at how it's being done, looking at the results and actually studying it properly. Again, I feel that these people are very much armchair sceptics a lot of them they'll sit back read stuff and go oh that's a load of rubbish well i'm sorry but unless you're actually doing the work and looking in the field and proving that it's rubbish i'm afraid i don't agree with your opinions at all we've dealt with the sceptics but what about the believers Mm, believers are always difficult because it's like it's like orbs isn't it I've got an orb. Yes, you have got an orb. That doesn't necessarily mean it's paranormal. I've got something on tape. Well, yes, you have. But because you were running around a building doing it, we can't actually do anything with that. So we we need to be doing field research, but we need to be doing proper field research. Well, the interesting thing about it, Ian, is it's like a double-edged sword. I mean... To me, if you could, I, mean, I remember when Steve was over here, I think two years ago, and he was at my paranormal study group, and we were talking about the K2 meter, which I know he loves. And uh, he was talking about using it in the field, but by putting it in a lead-lined box with a, uh, a glass, like from microwave oven, so it would insulate it. And if you got results on it, they'd be worth much more than if you were just sitting with it in your hand and and uh, it was blanket. Uh, could we do that with EVPs in the same way, in that if, if we put it in an insulated environment, would we, would we get results? And that being said, the people who do it, the believers, as you say, no, we won't get results because the spirit, we have to try to make it as easy as possible for them to speak to us. Uh- the experiments that are going on are actually trying to create these shielded environments. They're not They're not just saying, oh, we can't do that because of the spirits. They're actually doing mm-hmm. these experiments in shielded laboratories to try and replicate it in 
control conditions. But can we do the same controlled additions, like, for instance, in a haunted house, a supposedly haunted house? Wouldn't Wouldn't that have more value? Well, the first thing to ask yourself is why do you want to run around the haunted house with a broken radio to start with? What What are you trying to prove from that? Why do we always come up with the broken radio? What's What's wrong with using that's the recorder? Because ha- well, that's what people are using. <laughs> Post boxes are broken radio. Wait a minute, Parasites doesn't use broke. broken radios. They use... No, oh, but the method uses... A, they go and they buy a radio that has oh, been deliberately had part I, of its circuitry broken. I, I, I don't want to talk about this conversation anymore. Sorry, the Shack Hack has got a broken radio. The Shack radio. Hack is a piece of crap. I don't like It's a broken hack. radio. Exactly. So why do you keep bringing <laughs> it up? It's like it's like, try, it's, it's, like, it's like you have a truth, and so you take something that you know is, is not true, and you keep bringing it up. Well, this is not true. Yeah, but what right, about well, the truth? All right, well, let's deal with the DR60, should we? Let's deal with the DR60. Why don't you uh, deal with a good recorder? All right, like the DR60. For instance, like Mike Markowitz uses a, uh, well, a several hundred hundred dollar recorder. Give uh, prices irrelevant. Give me give give me give me the make and model, and we can we can at least understand what what equipment we're dealing with. You see, no, you much rather re- spend your time talking about broken radios. No, I can talk just as if, if uh, we've we've discussed the DR60 in the past. The DR60 as is an acclaimed EVP recorder, one that changes hands for up to a thousand dollars on eBay because of this extraordinary abilities that some EVP has claimed that the DR60 has. In actual fact, the DR60 was only in production for a very short period of time because the auto gain system on it was faulty from by design. It was overgained. It would pick up anything, virtually the electronic feel from a heart pacemaker it would would cause it to start throwing a wobble and record spurious sounds it was discontinued for that reason not because it was magical and could talk to talk to dead people and yet the dr60 is acclaimed as being the, a, a, a very special piece of evp recording equipment you all of the original evp uh, experiments were done on straightforward, off-the-shelf items of equipment. There was no magical reel-to-reel tape recorders that were better than others, or had been modified by some cuckoo in a backstreet workshop by putting blue LEDs on top of it and saying, this one is a special model that can talk to the dead people, or snapping the way through a circuit board with a pair of tin snips and then soldering something else onto it and saying, we've modified it. It was straightforward, off-the-shelf equipment. I know, because it's here. The radio you heard at the start of part two and you've seen the videos from previous ones these are original items from the 1960s that were used in evp experiments and this use of these devices is very very modern and it's really got nothing to do with the original evp the original evp was not about grabbing random fragments of radio transmissions and saying oh it's made a message it was nothing to do with that um in fact, we did some experiments many years ago where we were looking at trying to replicate the early EVP experiments. And it takes a lot of work. You've got to be dedicated. You've got to sit there and make recordings at the same time on the same day every week and try and communicate with the spirits. And eventually they come through and talk to you if you're lucky. But people don't want to do that nowadays. It's a quick fix. I want it now generation. So I'll get something that just throws me random bits of words and syllables and then I can just make something out of it and say the spirits are talking to me. That's why we keep going on about broken radios, because it's not EVP. Exactly. It's not even... Uh, 
fit the definition of EVP, which I don't well, even know why we're discussing it, to be honest. Yeah, but you. all of the EVP, all of the EV, all of the EVPers are using these methods of um, modified digital recorders and radios that have been hacked. That's not but necessarily true. You're just generalizing once again. You just say <sighs> all EVPs are just. All right, then all 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 ghost hunting paranormal you're on a crusade. You're on a crusade to no, to. Not. Yes, I am. Yes, yes, I am on a crusade. I'm on a crusade because all of the great research, all of the great breakthroughs in science have been made by amateurs. Amateurs who then went to the, the, the mainstream scientists and said, hey, look, this is an interesting thing. You need to get involved. You need to come and study it as well. That, that was on the verge of happening 50 years ago with psychical research when investigators were genuinely starting to understand phenomena. That's not happening anymore. The amateurs, yes, they, they could provide a huge, huge contribution to psychical research instead of spending every Saturday night chasing the tails around buildings. They need to up the game. That's the crusade I'm on. It's the same crusade that Harry Price was on 60, 70 years ago. But to change the subject slightly, we do have a question from the chat room from Kirsten. <laughs> Who has asked, has Anne ever had what she might proclaim to be a paranormal experience now? I know the answer to this. Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> That's why I got into it in the first place. Um, I think because I appear to approach things in a sceptical way, people assume that I dismiss the whole subject. Obviously, I don't. That's why I've been investigating it for the last 20-something years. So, yes, I have had experiences that I certainly cannot explain. Some very strange experiences, some of which Steve was witness to as well. So, yes, I have definitely had experiences that I cannot to this day explain. Would you give us an example? Because I think that's what she was aiming for. So, um, oh, I'm don't trying to don't do Teresa. Just don't. Do okay, Teresa. I won't. I won't do Teresa. Do um, the school. Do the school. Which one? Uh, the night you got cross. <laughs> oh, that's just making me out to be a weirdo. <laughs> I know. Okay, Steve has dropped me in it here, but basically, if I get really, really, really annoyed with somebody, then all sorts of strange things appear to happen around me and. In this particular occasion, um, there was a bloke walking down the corridor in... Did he have this um, check shirt on? And we heard him walking down the corridor, and I'm sure there were other things happening as well. Well, we have to rewind slightly, because what had happened was we had a member yes. of the group at the time called Brian, um, who, who... Brian was, was sceptical. Um, and liked to think himself uh, scientifically sceptical, to the point of he would tinker and tamper with every experiment that we'd set up. Now, Brian had very limited knowledge of science and scientific methodologies, and we coined what he was doing, parabryance. Um, and one night we set up a rather detailed exper uh, series of tests uh, involving a seance and, and actually involving a Ouija board. But Brian decided to tamper with the experiments and stuff. He also, don't, don't leave out the bit where he, he had a very unfortunate turn of phrase with women. Yes. <laughs> and used to say things like, all right, love, to calm yourself down, love, which was guaranteed <laughs> to annoy me. We completely decimated this experiment. I'd warned him, look, you've had your fun, now we're going to do this properly and he messed it up again so I'd, I did one of my famed Anne's drops which are something to behold oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't do it often but when I do everyone knows they are, they are marvellous unless you're on the receiving end of it actually <laughs> even then they're pretty marvellous 
but uh, you and I then retired to a different part of the building um, for, a, for a smoke break and to try and unwind before we before you punched his lights out. Um, and things started happening. That's, that's a sort of segue. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. I know there was definitely a bloke coming down the corridor and there was people door running opened. up and down in the corridor. The door opened. There were sounds of people in the corridor. And these were phenomenal people, as in people who are a strange phenomenon, not real people, because everyone else was in the other room quaking, waiting to see what was going to happen when I came back in. It doesn't always happen when Anne's angry, though. I remember there was one occasion Anne and I had gone to, to uh, look at a castle in North Wales at Gwydia, uh, Gwydia mm. Castle um, in North Wales, and we went there because it's got a haunted room and because it's got a ghost story, and we wanted to take some photographs of the haunted room. But you're not allowed to take photographs, so we had to wait until the uh, the, the owner of the building had, had gone away um, to the opposite end of the building. And the, there was two other people there... Uh, uh, to other visitors there, and they were they were outside in the grounds at the time, and so Anne and I were lurking outside the haunted room, which is at the bottom of a narrow staircase um, leading to the upper floor of the castle. The upper floor consists of one single room with a wood panel floor, bur- bur stone walls, about seventy five foot drop to the ground, and this one access stairway, um, which Anne and I were stood at the bottom of, outside the haunted bedchamber, waiting to take a photograph when we both realised that something very amiss was taking place. There were actually two amisses, because if you remember firstly, there were shadows of people walking down the corridor, um, which we never quite managed to explain. So while we were discussing what might have happened to that, um, someone distinctly wandered past in the room above in full sight of both of us, even though there wasn't anybody there and there was no possible way anyone could have got in. And when we went up, there was nobody there. But we both independently saw the same figure, which was um, interesting, to say the least. I mean, our first... Actually, what was interesting was our first reaction was that... I mean, we both immediately knew that there was something seriously wrong with what was taking place. Uh, Both of us... Neither of us spoke... Uh, I think our, our eyes said it all, and we both didn't discuss it. We went immediately mm. up, up the stairs into the room. Now, you know, we had to check, but we both already intrinsically knew that there was nobody up there. Um, and if there had been, then the only way that they could have gone past us was literally, um, it's a 75-foot jump out the window. Um, and, but we'd both seen the same figure, uh, because afterwards we did discuss it. So, yeah, um, there are countless ones that... Um, you know, yeah. If I was going to answer that question, I would say there are countless experiences that Anne and I have had separately and together. Yeah, yeah it's an interesting thing, because she, she said she wasn't mad. That when she first started talking about it, I thought for a minute that she was a poltergeist uh, generator. <laughs> the way- um, I've had a few books fly off shelves when I've been having a stroke. <laughs> one, of them, one of them hit someone in work, which was a bit unfortunate. <laughs> PK. <laughs> well, anyway. I, I actually wanted to do my PhD originally looking at the effect of emotion on PK, but it seems to be it's either a shift in emotion or it's a very specific 
personalised kind of anger and I can't ethically produce that in people in the laboratory, so I had to give up on that one as an experiment. Mm -hmm. Now, I guess we have another uh, question in the chat room. This is from Nathan. He says, does one think energy causes a reaction in the environment that sets off a phenomenon? Say that one. (laughs) In other words, is there some type of energy that uh, causes the reaction? Well, my first answer would be I haven't got a clue because if I knew what caused this, then I wouldn't have to spend so long looking for it. I'd know what, what to look for and where to find it. Well, I was going to give the physicist oh. answer, which is, of course, there has to be, um, in order for an object to move, right. um, then there has to be uh, a, a change from, from latent energy into kinetic energy. Right. And, and of course, a lot of people would say, uh, you know, high EMF, see? Well, no, 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 no. We're not oh, yeah, 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 they would no, say that. No. Well, they, yes, they, they might, would say they, that. They might, they say might, no, they would say they that. They might say it, but actually what we're dealing with is two distinct forms of measurable energy. We have latent energy, which is the energy stored within the book prior to its movement, and then we have the kinetic energy, which is the, the energy that is being used during the motion of the book, which then gets transferred back into latent energy at the moment the book stops moving and transfers its energy into the floor or the person's head it just hit. So yes, absolutely there is energy. So energy, uh, whether you relate that to what we conventionally understand electromagnetism to be, um, but energy should be measurable, and so the, the, the short answer uh, to Nathan's question is absolutely there has to be energy um, being used and being exchanged within the environment in order for that reaction, for that event to have taken place. All right, but now we you need you to ha- know how it works though. Yes, because exactly. until we can show that, then you know we could, we're not going to get much further. We, so, we, you, I, I, well, Anne and I said twenty years ago that we shouldn't look for the ghost; we should look for the battery. Mm-hmm. What powers the ghost? Mm-hmm. What powers us? If you believe a spirit is an incarnated uh, person, then what powers us should power the spirit? Just saying. Just saying. Well, Kirsten's asked, does the strong anger and emotion uh, come with these sights and sounds? Well, we quite often find that um, apparent poltergeist activity does seem to occur in situations where there is tension, anger, disruption, that kind of thing. So, again, that's I wanted to look at that because I really do think there's something going on there, but it's very, very difficult from an academic point of view to look at that kind of thing because you can't really poke people and make them angry. People frown on it. Don't know why. <laughs> Just think of some of the experiments we've conducted over the years when we didn't need that for the Probe up the backside was the worst. We'll never do that again. The what? <laughs> <clears throat> Um, we are, I think, the only paranormal group ever to have EEG'd a um, person in the haunted house. Really? Mm-hmm. And we have the pictures to prove it somewhere. And uh, what Anne's talking about is, is um, whole body measure, uh, whole body physiology measurements, temperature, pulse, heart rate, right? In- internal temperature. I tried doing that with Maureen. I almost killed her. 
I can imagine you would. Besides which, we we're lucky because we have the medical uh, we have the medical training to be able I, to do the bizarre experiments. There you go. And, and and the and the sort of slightly mad, starey eyed sort of mentality that is required mm-hmm. to do them. So I mean, Ian. When you you looked at, I mean, you talked a lot about the the uh, hack shack and all that all that crap. But I mean, all the good cases uh, that are uh, difficult to explain are they even worth looking at? Or, or oh yes, they're definitely worth looking at. Um, I think it's all worth looking at. But again, if I can show that these cheap hack shack ones actually aren't EVP, then at least we don't have to spend the time looking at them and we can concentrate on ones that could well be something really interesting because at the moment the whole field is just drowning in all these sound recordings and realistically at the moment we can't just say that's rubbish because, again, you can't say that's rubbish until you've actually proven why it's rubbish. So I'm hoping that... If we can get rid of all this hack shack stuff, we can then concentrate on looking at what might actually be proper EVP. There are, you yeah, know, the there are people actually- like Frank and uh, who spent, you know, years and years trying to come up with some crazy equipment, but it's based on some uh, some scientific principles, and and he has spent. You know, years and years. I think he's dead now. Come to think of it, now they mention this. But uh, Frank, if you're dead, come through on the talk radio. To let us. me know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, the Frank's tube and, and some of this other stuff. Uh, the ghost box originally was designed by him, and we're not. We talk about the ghost box. We're not talking about the the, the hack shacks they have out now and so forth. But uh, there are some people that are doing some research, but they're, they're not doing laboratory research uh, to. What's the word I'm looking at? They're trying to invent rather to stu- than study. I think that's the word. So is there a dis- difference for them people, uh, those people, uh, in mentality-wise, I mean, in psychic-wise? Because uh, they here they're trying to invent things. But to what's the point of just inventing random gadgets when you don't – you can't say, well – this is what we're looking for, this is how we're going to do it, this is how we're going to measure it, this is how we're going to show whether it's real in inverted commas or not. I get the sense that people do tend to create gadgets for the sake of creating gadgets. Yeah. And we don't need half those gadgets, we really don't. Do you remember at school when you used to do science at school and you had to do an experiment and you had to write down, first of all, the equipment, then the method? Oh, God, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, what you see is, I mean, only this weekend I was watching a UK paranormal group who who have quite a following uh, for the uh, umpteenth continuous week, Peter Bell, umpteenth continuous uh, week, uh, showing yet more pictures of their latest experiment. But their latest experiment is lacking all of that basic schoolboy learning um, on how to conduct experiments. That's what we. That's what I was ranting about before. Let's do the science, people. Let's let's devise experiments by all means, but let's make them valid and let's make the data challenging to the skeptics because that's what Anne's PhD is all about. Let's challenge the skeptics with serious results, not bugger about on a Saturday night in the dark with flashy lights and 
I mean, that's the one thing that always annoyed me about all this equipment. Is for instance, let's go to that that meter I gave you last time. Go over here, the ghost meter. Yeah, throw. it's okay. great. It, it has four modes. It has two modes. It tells you one tells you when it, it's recent ghost, and the other one tells you when it's ancient ghost. I would love to see how they came up with that idea, and and the, the you know the uh, theory behind it. Just a theory. Never mind the science. Forget that. Well, the, thing that, the other thing is, it seems to have missed out one, because when I was reading the instructions, I was using it um, in Ireland for a talk uh, a month or so ago. Um, I used I noticed, it Saturday. Yeah. You've got recent ghosts and ancient ghosts, but yep. there's nothing in the middle. No. Yeah, so, so there's you, a whole raft of ghosts out there floating they around in how to, They haven't figured out how to do that. They haven't. Uh, but at least we know that the ancient ghosts come along every five minutes. Exactly. I mean, that's the, the key thing. I'd love to see that science and, I mean, you know, the theory, just the theory, never mind the science, just how that's, they figure it's yeah. going to happen. I'm going to barge in and do a plug now. If anyone wants to help me with this research, if you go onto the Parascience Facebook page, I'll put a link where you can go to a web page and help out with all the research, and I'll be really, really grateful. Woo! Do you get an autograph? Wait a minute, do you get an autograph picture? Do you get an autograph picture, Ann Winspa? Oh, I don't think you'd want an autograph picture of me. <laughs> By the way, do you play the guitar? Uh, I play the bass and have got a guitar. Ah, okay, thank you. And I used to be a classical pianist many years ago. Anyway, we got to go, unfortunately. Ann, thank you so much. It's always been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, see you next week. Good night. God bless, everyone. Good night. God bless. Anybody want to buy a hack shack? Yeah, I go. I will. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I gave it to you. <laughs> uh, Jim didn't. Yeah. This is where yeah. we talk, right? No, no, no. We've gone. They, they can't hear us anymore, so we can say all sorts of things about them. From ghoulies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.